Doesn't that music seem fitting to our moment? There's so much uncertainty, so much that's unsettled. Are you feeling unsettled tonight? Well, that's what we're going to talk about on Steadfast tonight. So I'm so glad that you're here as we continue our series anticipation. As we continue to anticipate the coming of Jesus, and that's what 2 Peter chapter 3 is leading us to anticipate, to think about, to, to fix our eyes on. Jesus is speaking to us about all the things that we're seeing in this world. And certainly these have been unsettled weeks. We've had discussions in Bible study and at church, and I've had one-on-one -on -one conversations with a number of you that are part of our Little Hills family. We're all trying to sort out what to make of what's going on in our world. We've been following this horrific war in, in Europe with Ukraine for a year and a half now, and now we have what appears to be an utterly explosive situation happening in the Holy Land. We have, of course, the, the situation in Gaza itself, missiles being fired out and innocent civilians being butchered and just the horror of it. And then we have the little incursions coming in from the north in Lebanon, and we have also U.S. military bases all over the Middle East coming under at least minor attacks. So far, they've been able to repel it. Chinese warships that people are wondering what they're doing, U.S. warships going over. There's so much going on, and, and it doesn't feel like an exaggeration to say, is this World War III we're watching come together? Now, I'm not a prophet. I'm not saying that it is. That's not what we're doing here on Steadfast. But it does feel very unsettled, doesn't it? And then we think about our own lives, and they feel unsettled. How many of us are going through horrific things or, or uncertain things, and, and we're trying to figure out how to manage. And in that, doesn't it sound nice to have peace? Well, Peter tonight, as he gives us some parting instruction, we have tonight and one more time in the book of Second Peter. And as we spend those two times, Peter is starting to close out his message. And as he is, he wants us to think about peace and particularly two forms of peace. And if what I've just been describing to you has been making your stomach churn, if, if you came on tonight and you've been feeling stressed and uncertain and you didn't really even need me to say anything to make your stomach churn, well, I think this is a message for all of us in that place right now. Because we serve the God of peace. And we serve a God who is in control. And as we come to his word tonight, let's ask for his guidance and his peace. Let's pray. Father, we come before you, and we come before you in a world that is broken. A world that has so much hurt going on, so much violence going on, so much death and destruction. We see the footage every day in this modern era that we live in. We can constantly watch as war ravages lands and see buildings collapsing and people dying. And we try to make sense of what's going on. Lord, as we do... Would you help us to hear your word? Would you help us to feel your peace, we pray, in the precious name of the Prince of Peace, Jesus. Amen. Peter wants us, as I said, to think about two kinds of peace. As we start out tonight, we're going to turn to chapter 3 of Second Peter. We're going to look at verse 14, and verse 14 calls us to live in peace with God. Peter writes, Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these... The things that we've been talking about, the, the, the coming uh, of the new heavens and new earth. Since you've been waiting for these, be diligent and be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. What does it mean to live at peace with God? 
Well, the good theological answer and the place we should arrive is it means trusting in Jesus. It means coming and receiving the grace that comes from our Savior, because in our own doing, we're always at the lack of peace with God. But we see in this world, the, the discontent there, the, the, the turmoil is nothing compared to how far separated we are from God on our own. But what does it mean practically? We thought about that somewhat last night as we were closing out our series on the Sermon on the Mount in our Sunday worship service. And we, we talked about all the different aspects of what Jesus has called us to in this Christian life. Yes, there's grace, but there's grace to something. Jesus isn't just giving us grace, then leaving us broken. He's calling us to the unbroken way, to the way of, of that, that he has shown us a, a different way. And so when Peter says that we are called to be found by him without spot or blemish, Peter's saying, don't be found as those who are content to, to be saved and then just dwell in the muck of your sin. No, be those who want to be wiped clean by Jesus, who want the spirit to, to pull us someplace else, who all those things that we read about in the Sermon on the Mount, the things we talked about last night, we want those things. Sunday School Express last night. This all ties together really, really well. And that wasn't our planning. I think that's God's planning. It wasn't ours. But Sunday School Express, we turn to the catechism question on how we glorify God. It comes back to the same thing. We're enjoying him and we're doing his will. And so as we think about all these different pieces, what do we find that scripture comes to over and over again? Well, God gives us his grace, but then he calls us to be more like him. And that's what Peter's referring to here. And part of that means aligning ourselves with God's truth. And we've talked about that in weeks past. We also looked at that a few months ago when we were looking at the second chapter of Second Peter. Take a look at Second Peter 2.13. Peter said that we should be suffering wrong as the wage for, or rather the false teachers should be suffering wrong as the wage for their wrongdoing. They count it pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are blots and blemishes reveling in their deceptions while they feast with you. And as Peter talks about these false teachers, the, the people that have come into the midst of the people of God and are leading people astray, he refers to their blots and blemishes. And now here, as we come to this, this closing part, what does he do again? He mentions spot or blemish. So Peter's had this ongoing theme of the, these words here that, that come up again and again, calling us to something different. And if we're going to, to be found by God in that way, free of spot, free of blemish, then what do we need to do? Well, we need to turn to his truth. That means turning away from false teaching, even false teaching that fits what our ears want to hear. We certainly find an awful lot of that. We find people who claim to be Bible teachers who tell us that we can ignore parts of God's word. Or that they're going to be warriors for God's word, and if they miss out on the loving and caring parts, that's okay because someone has to fight in this world. God calls us to something different. He doesn't call us to the ways of the world. And anyone, anyone who claims to be representing God, representing the Bible, and saying it's okay to turn away from any part of God's word needs to be turned away from. When given the choice of God's word and those voices that claim even to represent God but cause us to turn away from God's word, they're the ones that need to be rejected, not God's word. So, what do we do? We turn and we allow God to cleanse us instead with his truth. 
That's what we do together as the church. We help each other to work through that and to think about how to do that. And in that, it's sort of like when you have company coming over. What do most of us do? Now, maybe some of us, we keep everything neat and tidy and perfect all the time. But for most of us, what do we do? We, we clean, we get ready, we, we shine things up, we clean the floors, we, we put out the fine china, we do this sort of thing for company. Well, the ultimate company is coming. God is returning and we want to welcome him. Yes, it's his world, but he's placed us here. And we want to say, we're so glad that you're here. If Jesus came tonight, wouldn't you like to say, Jesus, I have been anticipating you coming. And I have been anticipating by trying to follow your, your will, asking for your spirit to guide me. Now, of course, Jesus already knows what we're doing. We don't have to tell him that. But isn't that what we want our lives to be saying? We're anticipating. We're shining up the floors. We're pulling out the good china. We want to be presented to you, Jesus, as you've called us to be. Doesn't mean we're going to get everything right, but that's where we're headed. And so we run away from, from false words, false instruction, false teaching that would cause us to, to stumble in this. And we then go into our lives and we have to make this similar sort of rejection. We look at the things in our lives that are out of accord with God's word and we reject those. We, we instead turn to him. And so it is that we start to build that foundation uh, for the storm that, that Jesus talks about at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, that you want to be the house built on the rock. Well, Jesus' disciple, nicknamed the rock, is telling us what that rock is. It's following God's word. And as we do that, God situates us in such a way that he can wipe away all the sin, all the spots and blemishes on us. Not necessarily appealing in the moment because all the things that those false teachers say, all those things that those false leaders say, all those things that appeal to us in our culture sound so much more pleasant when our eyes are focused earthward. But here, as Peter's been talking about anticipating, he's calling us instead to keep our eyes heavenward, to be looking to God even before he returns. Does he return in our lifetime or not? We don't know. Yes, I just mentioned many of us are wondering what kind of war is going to come out of all this tension in the world. And, and some people have said, well, maybe it's the end of the world. Could be. Or the world could go on for 1,000, 2,000, 5,000, 10,000 more years. We don't know. But what we do know is that each of us can be turning heavenward in this moment. And whether we go home to meet our Lord because our life, physical life on this earth in this moment comes to an end and we go into his presence as we await the new heavens and new earth, or the new heavens and new earth come in our lifetime. Either way, we can be those who seek to be without spot and blemish. And in that, be living at peace with God, because we find ourselves in accord with what he's called us to. The trouble for us, and I think this is why we, as the church, broadly speaking, the church in this nation and world, why we struggle with that is that the world offers ways that seem to run more intuitively, that seem to fit us better. I was reading a story a few months ago about speed limits, and I say speed limit, and what do you think of? Maybe you think, oh, those things I love to follow all the time perfectly, but most people probably aren't thinking that. Maybe you're thinking that time that you weren't following the speed limit at all, and you just happened to slow down right before the police officer was sitting there getting ready to, to catch the next speeder that went by, and you think, oh, or the time you didn't do it in time. Well, AAA did a study on those who speed, and, and that would be the vast majority of drivers, almost all of us, at least part of the time. And what do they find? 
they found that people are pretty consistent based on the types of roads. And they did this by studying roads that were being reconstructed to try to make them safer. One of which was in Portland, Oregon, the Southwest Capitol Highway. This was a, a two-lane road that was being shared by both cars and bikes, and it was had a 35-mile-an-hour speed limit. And as the planners looked at it, they said, well, how can we make it safer? And they determined two things. First, they would add a separate bike path so that the bikes were on the, the road with the cars so they wouldn't get hit. And secondly, that they lower the speed limit on this reconstructed road with better curbs and, and signage and so on. They would lower the speed limit to 25 miles an hour. So they did the construction, and in the study they found, well, people started driving even faster. Yes, the speed limit went down to 25 miles an hour, but people felt safer on this road. They weren't dodging the bikes. They weren't driving on a rough road. It was a nice road, and there weren't as many obstacles, so people, instead of slowing down, actually sped up on the road. And the study tried to analyze our behavior and how basically what determines what we do isn't what the speed limit says, it's how comfortable we feel on the road. If the road is nice and wide and there's plenty of room for us, we'll go much faster than the speed limit. If the road has lots of potholes and problems and it's curvy and it's narrow, we'll slow down and maybe even drive below the speed limit. It really depends on our level of comfort. In this world, as we have an earthward focus, we, we see over here, we look at God's word. It's sort of like a speed limit sign on the side of the road. We see it there out of the corner of our eye. And as we do, we see it saying that we should slow down. But as far as we can tell, there aren't any obstacles in the way. And so we feel at peace going much faster, so to speak, than what God has called us to do. But when we turn our eyes heavenward, it's like there are a bunch of invisible bikers on that road, the ones that we're not factoring in on how fast we drive. And we realize, wait a second not fast enough. It's rather way too fast. We need to slow down. It's not safe. And that's what Peter's calling us to think about, that we, we need to turn our focus so that we can see the true dangers on the road so that we slow down. Those people that felt safer on that highway, they, they sped up, but there were more accidents on that road. So even though it was a safer road, quote unquote, and it might have lowered the, the severity of accidents, it was actually more dangerous in certain ways. And as we feel like everything's going smoothly, we speed up and it becomes more dangerous for us. Sometimes in these uncertain times, we slow down. We say, it doesn't feel like I can go full speed on earth right now. I need to go ahead and look at that speed limit sign. I need to see what God's word is saying. But then things will blow over. Things will get calmer. This particular storm will pass and we speed back up keep our eyes heavenward, though, God keeps us in the speed that we're supposed to be going all the time. And that's so important. We need to turn and watch God so that we can drive at the speed that he actually intends us to. One commentator said that the, the transformation that Peter's talking about here is to understand the worldly consequences of an otherworldly look. That as we, we look to what God is doing, it affects how we live in this world. And we do too much of a dualistic thinking where we're thinking about, well, on the one side, here's what I do in this world, and here's what I do towards God, and we don't let the two join together. But we need to let them join together, and we need to let them join together with the Godward look being the one with the priority, the one that reminds us of what we really should be doing, that the speed limit is accurate when we see the speed limits in the Bible. 
Take a look at verse 15, though, because there's more to it than that. As we live in God's peace in the sense of doing what he's called us to do, so we're at peace with God, we actually then dwell in God's peace. We live in God's peace in our lives when it feels so uncertain. Verse 15 says, And count the patience of the Lord of salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him. I want to focus on especially that first part of that verse, because what we really want to see here is that God is working. Why do we feel like we're out of control? Why do we careen down the road because we're trying to get out of an emergency situation and we're driving faster than we should? Because we're looking at all this stuff going on around us and we're trying to escape it. We look at the uncertainty in our lives, the uncertainty in our goals, the uncertainty in the world, and, and we start speeding faster to get away from that. And what we don't do is we don't dwell in God's peace where we realize, wait a second, God has a, a protection around us. And, and yes, the world is chaotic, but he is with us through it. But when we start living as he's called and we keep that heavenward focus so that the speed limits make sense, the, the laws of God make sense. Peter's also, I believe, when he's talking about this peace in verse 14, he's, he's referring to the idea that the, the very peace that we feel towards God then reflects to a peace in how we feel about our lives. Not because everything's right. And, and if you've been seeking after Jesus for a long time and, and you've had the Holy Spirit working in you for a long time, you know that's true, that it doesn't eliminate all the struggles. But what it does do is it is God is chipping away at the reasons why we feel so weary and, and why we struggle so much. I certainly am not done feeling weary. And I imagine you aren't either. There's so much that makes us feel uncertain and so much that wears down on us and stresses us out and, and scares us. What's Peter saying here? Our natural bent as we see all this uncertainty going on in the world and in our lives is to think, well, is God really in control? We addressed that a few weeks ago, talking about, well, why hasn't he returned yet? Take a look again at verses 8 and 9 of this chapter. Peter said, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And as we talked about that, we talked about how God has shown patience by not ending the world sooner. He has more people he wants to save. As Peter cycles back to that patience here, and it's in the context of peace, it seems like what he really wants us to dwell on is that part of that patience is for us. The fact that we're here tonight studying his word, the fact that he's offering that peace to us, Yes, the world has gone on longer than, than maybe some people in Peter's day thought it would. Maybe longer than Peter himself thought it would. But it's because God has a plan that he is consistently working through until the day that he finally ends the world. And as he does that, the very existence of the world reminds us that God's patience is there for us too. Because imagine if he'd ended it a thousand years ago. You and I wouldn't be here. We wouldn't even have the opportunity to know Jesus. But instead, he has been patient. And that patience is with us. And if that patience is with us, and he's in control right now in everything in your life, that he is working that right now, 
And even in the uncertainty, even in those feelings that just twist our stomachs and make us wonder what's going on, God is saying, I'm here with you. And the very fact that we're here right now means that I'm truly with you until the end, that I love you, that, that these words are for you, that these words are for me. We need to remember that everything is going according to God's plan. Yes, this world is broken, but God is going to make it right. That's what we've been talking about. That's what we're talking about anticipating. And as we wait for that, and as we seek to be those found ready for him, as we ask, Holy Spirit, help me to, to better conform to your word. Help me to be faithful. Help me to reject the sin that I'm holding on to, the things that I do that I know are ungodly, and the things that I do that I don't think are ungodly, and yet I really need to be convicted of. Help me to shed those things, to be ready for you, and to have peace in this moment, because I know that you're giving me this time to go through that process. You're giving me this time to know you, and that you're giving me this time so I can share it with others so they can have that peace too. We know that it's all going according to God's plan, that it's not truly out of control, that whatever happens in the Middle East or in Europe or in the United States or in Mexico or in Kenya or anywhere in this world, whatever happens, God's still in control. Isn't it amazing when we think about how God provides in this moment? I think about our little community on here and how we have have friends now from all around the world. We we recently we have a a friend joining us now from India. We and and we've had we have our our friend Eduardo down in Paraguay. We we God is bringing together the family of God and I tend to think that maybe maybe the reason it hasn't ended yet is he's using this modern technology to bring his church together more before the end. He has more to do that he wants us to be able to do together interlinked. What a beautiful thing that is. But I'm not the one with the plan. He is. He knows where it's going. The key thing that we're reminded about here is he does have that plan. So what do we do? We keep paddling even when the boat seems unstable. I saw a video a few weeks ago of a dragon boat race. This was a annual championship. I didn't even know there were races of dragon boats, but apparently there's a world dragon boat championship and it was taking place this year in Thailand. And amongst all the others that entered into it, right in the midst of all their uncertainty, the Ukrainians had a dragon boat entered in this, but something went terribly wrong. And as you can see in this video, their dragon boat is submerged. I love what that commentator says. They are in a submarine, but notice how determined they are in that submarine, in that that sunken boat. They are not going to give up. And as you can see here, they crossed the finish line even as their boat went deeper and deeper into the water. Why? Because they had a plan. They knew where they were going and they were not going to stop even when things seemed to be going wrong. I don't know about you, but if I were on a boat of any sort and it were sinking, I wouldn't necessarily be thinking about going across the finish line. But what a beautiful story of people so determined, so focused on where they were supposed to be. That even when circumstances seem to be working against it, they just keep paddling, just keep rowing. And they made it. And you can see the people from around the world applauding them there. What a beautiful, beautiful thing. And that's what we're called to be as the church. Sometimes it feels like we're submerged. Sometimes it feels like we have a submarine dragon boat. But 
But God is calling us in those moments, in that uncertainty to keep paddling because, well, they didn't know if they'd make it to the finish line or not for sure. They just knew what they were going to be determined and work towards. But we know that we're going to make it to the finish line if we trust in Jesus. We know that it will be done just as God has said. And so what do we do? We keep with the plan. We cross the finish line as faithfully as we can with the help of our God. We can't do it on our own. But he's there. He's not only there calling us towards that plan, not only telling us it's it's happening, but he's right there in the boat rowing, pushing us forward. And so what we do is we we enjoy the peace he offers us. We turn to him, we, we do what he's called us to do, and that gives us peace with him as we experience the grace of Jesus and we start to be more like him and be more like he intended us to be. And then we experience the peace in the uncertainty of the world, of knowing that everything that's uncertain, everything that that, that wears on us. It's not speaking against God's plan. It's speaking about living in this moment as God is with us, bringing to fruition that plan. Jesus talked about his return in Luke chapter 18, verse 7. He said, And will not God give justice to his elect, who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, Will he find faith on the earth? Jesus asked there in the midst of all the uncertainty, and he's told his disciples about the uncertainty. He told those people that were coming to hear him teach about all kinds of horrible things that would happen as the world progressed. And he leaves them with a question, will the Son of Man find faith? And Jesus knew the answer to that. He, he knew he would bring his church to the end, and he's clear about that elsewhere, but he's really throwing down a challenge for each person that was listening then and every person who's listening now. We can really form it for ourselves this way. How will he find me? Will he find me in faith or in the lack thereof? We really have a choice. Are we going to trust in Jesus? And if we're going to trust in Jesus, that doesn't mean all the, the lack of peace in our lives goes away, but it means that we turn towards him and we say, Jesus, conform me to you. Let me experience your peace. We're going to say, no, Jesus, my ship is sinking. My boat is going underwater. I'm going to stop rowing. I'm just going to scream for help from the world and see what else can rescue me. In the end, that's not going to provide peace. And yet we tend to do that. We freeze up and Jesus is calling us. Don't freeze up. Keep rowing. Keep turning towards me. Follow the limits that I've set. Follow my good law because my law is life-giving. And don't do it because you think you can earn my favor. Do it because you have my favor. You have my love. And I want you to experience what it's like to truly be the man or the woman that you were made to be. What a wonderful message that is. In our unsettledness, we are called to trust in him and trust in his peace. And in that, he gives it to us. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you, and this is so much easier said than done. It's so hard to trust. And even as we trust, we feel all the, the, the lack of peace, the discord around us, swirling around us constantly. And it's so hard to think that there's anything to do with peace in our lives. Lord, would you help us to experience your peace in the midst of that? To know it's there, but to feel it's there. To know that you are there, but to feel that you are there. To, to be reminded of your presence. Lord, would you help anyone that hasn't ever trusted in you to trust in you tonight? But then for all of us who have, too, would you remind us that that trust is well-placed, that your plan is going forward, that we can keep paddling because you will not let us sink. 
that you will be with us. We pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Hope this was an encouragement to you tonight. And if it was, please do give us a like or share. Follow us on all our social media channels, on X, on Facebook, on YouTube, on Mastodon. We're on all the platforms. We would love to have you interact with us us there. Oh, Instagram too, can't forget that. Do that and then share this broadcast. Share it with your friends. Someone maybe is feeling really uncertain right now. We each get to share the peace of God and we do that by sharing God's word. Well, another way that we share God's word in, in our sermon series on Sunday night is to, to tackle the things that we're going through. That's what we do here. That's what we do on Sunday night. And we're going to hit that head on over the next few weeks in our new Sunday night sermon series, I've Got a Problem. We all have problems. We all have struggles, right? Things that we say, well, God, how do I make sense of this? And sometimes it's a question of how do I believe these things that you're calling me to believe, Lord? And sometimes it's, I'm not sure how to deal with the circumstances of my life. And we're going to hit four big problems over the next few weeks and really peer into what God has to say to them. So if you have someone who's questioning how you can believe the Bible, if you have someone who's questioning how to get right with the Lord because of the struggles they have in their life, either way, invite them to come. And certainly please come because we all can say, God, I have a problem. The good news is God is there to help us through it. And he's going to help us row all the way into the glory of his presence. Next week, we're going to be thinking about standing for the truth one more time in this second letter of Peter. So I hope you'll join me for that. I can't wait. If you have any prayer requests, any questions in the meantime, feel free to shoot us a text at the texting line 833-356-4032 or leave a comment in the comments below and we can encourage each other, pray for each other. Hope you have a wonderful, blessed week and I anticipate seeing you next week.